welcome to our 35th episode of Two Tankers and a Cat. We're your host, I'm Charlie. And this is Russell. Well, we are settled into our new studio in Parsons, Kansas. Yes. We had to move from our Pittsburgh because it was a little too tight. Yeah. And now we're in Parsons, uh, Kansas. Yeah. Recording, and it is a lot better. Um, we've got some of our new equipment and we've got some other stuff that we've got. So we'll give a big out shout out to our Patreons. Yes. That are helping us pay for all this stuff. (laughs) Exactly. Really, really appreciated guys. Thanks for the support. And and the new mics and I'm just a happy camper. Oh yeah. I can't complain. Now we're going to talk about two points today. Um, we're going to talk about the Ram medium tank and a lot of people consider that Canada's most successful failure. Now, people in Canada, we're going to talk about the Ram tank. There's not really a lot. It was never used in combat. Uh, There's some stories that, yes, it was and stuff, but we'll we'll get into it. But the second point is, you know, we've been getting messages from Facebook. Uh, You got one from that uh, F bad guy about the Tiger tank episodes. Yeah. And, of course, we're still getting, you know, emails from our good friends, uh, Craig Moore, uh, Francis Pullman. What is Francis Pullman's book again? Fallen Giant's book. I have talked to him, and he is thinking that he will sign an autographed copy of his book and give it to us to give away to our our listeners. Oh, wow. That's cool. So, uh, we're, we're in talks with Francis and yeah. uh, we're trying to figure out how we can get our hands on that and give oh, it away to man. our listeners. Yes. That'd be neat. If you don't know who Francis Pullman is, he's, he's wrote a bunch of books and he's an expert on like the T-34. If you have a question about, if we have questions about the T-34, this is the man <laughs> we go to. Uh, we actually asked Craig Moore and he's like, Oh, no, you want to talk to Francis Pullman. <laughs> and then we got Ed Webster. You know, he's a, one of the historians for uh, World of Tanks, and he does all the British tank stuff. And he's wow. like, uh, when are you going to get talking about the British stuff? And I'm know, like, I you know, know what? Uh, There's a lot of tanks out there to talk about. Well, we are not going to run out. No. But the other thing that we are getting from some of our younger viewers and our female viewers and even some of our uh, older viewers is, what is a flamethrower? You know, most people think, oh, it, it just shoots gas and, and catches stuff on fire. And I'm like, you know what? Like everything else, let's go into this and we're going to explain what a flamethrower is and what a flamethrower tank is and what it does. Okay, Russell, let's start the show. Tell us about the Ram medium tank. The Ram was a cruiser tank designed and built by Canada during the Second World War. And it was based on the U.S. M3 medium tank chassis. Due to standardization on the American Sherman tank for frontline units, it was used exclusively for training purposes and was never used in combat as a gun tank. The chassis was used for several other combat roles, however, such as a flamethrower tank, observation post, the Sexton Artillery SPG, and armored personnel carriers. Pretty cool. The official Canadian history of the war compares the Ram to the Ross rifle as examples of unsuccessful Canadian weapon designs. It states that given the Sherman superiority, in retrospect, it would probably have been better for the United States to produce more tanks and for Canada 
to have focused on manufacturing more transport vehicles. But everybody's, you know, armchair quarterback and well, yeah, stuff. Sure, sure. But yeah, you know, there were some improvements everybody could have done after the war. Okay, Russ, um, give me the stats on this uh, Ram tank. The Ram was designed in 1941. It was manufactured by the Montreal Locomotive Works, and it was produced between November of 1941 to July of 1943. They built about 2,032 of them, and the Ram Mark II weighed about 65,000 pounds. Or 29 tons. 29 tons. It was about 19 foot long, or 5.8 meters long. It was 9 foot 10 inches wide, or 3 meters. And it stood 8 foot 9 inches high, or about 2.67 meters. It's still shorter than my, you know, I don't Lee. <laughs> I still like the Lee. It had a crew of five, which consisted of the commander, gunner, loader, driver, the co-driver, and slash hull gunner. So five people jammed in that thing. Yeah. The armor was anywhere between 25 and 87 millimeters thick. It had a main armament of a QF six pounder Mark III and carried about 92 rounds of that. The secondary armament consisted of three 7.62 millimeter machine guns, and they carried about 4,700 rounds of that. Nice. On paper, you know, the gun's a little weak, but it's got the machine guns, you know. Tell us about the engine. Yeah, the engine was a Continental R-975. It was a nine-cylinder radial gasoline engine that pumped out about 400 horsepower. It had a power-to-weight ratio of 12.3 horsepower per ton. The transmission was a Borg-Warner clutch control differential. It had a vertical volute spring uh, suspension. The operational range was about 232 kilometers, or 144 miles, and it had a speed of 25 miles per hour, or about 40 kilometers per hour. So the war breaks out, and they're like, we, we got to come up with these tanks. Well, the Americans start throwing the Shermans, and the, the Sherman is just substantially better. And the Canadians are like, okay, we're going to use these in training. And they're like, you know what? We've got to find some way to use these tanks. Well, they started making variants and, you know, basically taking the turrets off and kind of shuffling things around. Tell us about some of the uh, variants. Uh, The first one we'll talk about is the Ram OP slash Ram Command variant. The forward observation officers, or the FOO, needed some form of protection, which was provided by mobile observation posts made of the 84 converted vehicles with a powerful set of radios added. One of the variants they're going to use is a command vehicle. You know, they're sending out their forward observation officers and they're like, they're going to need cover and they're going to need really powerful radios. So they kept some of the machine guns, kept the armor, and they converted 84 of these. Tell us about the Ram, I I guess, kangaroo. Kind of I know kangaroo is kind of a very, you know generic, but go ahead. Yeah, kangaroo was the generic denomination for all turretless or converted armor personnel carriers that was based on the M3 Lee, M4 Sherman, and Churchill chassis, or the defrocked priest. These vehicles were open-topped, and all internal storage was discarded in order to make room for six to ten men and their equipment. The only armament remaining was the nose hole browning, and these vehicles saw action in Holland and Normandy. They're taking these off and they're turning them into uh, armor personnel carriers. And they're keeping the 7.62 uh, 
or the 30 inch Browning uh, in the front to have some protection, but cleared out everything else. So then you put about 10 guys in there and use them as armored personnel carriers. Yeah. Okay. You know, hey. th- you got to do what you got to do. You do. The next variant was the Sexton SPG or self-propelled gun. And it was armed with a 25 pounder gun, which could also be used for direct fire. The most obvious recognition feature are the batteries and accelerator generator boxes with their accompanying water can holders on either side at the rear. Now, I've actually got to see the Sexton and the 25-pounder. Basically, what they did, they took this Ram tank, they put on a 25-pound artillery gun, and they were using it as a self-propelled gun to shoot, you know, artillery to Mm -hmm. cover the infantry and other things. But... There's stories that they've actually used this to uh, shoot directly at bunkers and other vehicles coming at it. Wow. So uh, the section, pretty good, pretty good deal coming from the Ram. Sure. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. The next variant was the Ram Wallaby, and it was the standard ammunition carrier derived from the kangaroo. Okay. So they needed something to carry all the ammunition to the troops and stuff like that. And you definitely want to have your ammo under behind some kind of armor. All right. Good deal. The next variant was the Ram ARV, the armored recovery vehicle based on a Ram chassis. And it was built in two series, the Mark one and two. And the first was based on the Ram Mark one and it had a winch and an earth spade. So they're using this uh, armor recovery vehicle. So vehicles out that were damaged or the engine blew, or even like the Sherman tanks that were hit, They'd send these tanks out and just winch them up and tow them back to where, you know, the depots to get repaired. The next variant was the Ram Gun Tower. This tractor version, based on the Kangaroo, had a reinforced towing hook designed for the Ordnance QF 17-pounder piece. And they also carried the ammunition and gun crew. So this Ram Gun Tower... They, they basically, you know, knocked the top off it, put machine guns, you know, still on the front. But it was towing the QF 17-pounder anti-tank gun, and which could be also used for artillery and, you know, uh, bunkers and stuff like that. They carried the ammunition and the crew for the 17-pounder in the tank. In the tank itself, yeah. Okay. You know, hey, the bonus. It worked. And, and now we're going to talk about the Ram Badger. The Ram Badger was a turretless variant based on the Kangaroo armor personnel carrier, and it was modified to use the Mark II flamethrower, and most of those actually served in Holland. Talking about the flamethrower, the Badger, that brings us to our second point. And like I said, we, we've never really talked about what a flamethrower is, what they do, and uh, we never really explained that. To our fans that really don't know anything about combat weapons like this, this is going to be a good opportunity for them to know finally what a flamethrower is. Russell, tell us about that. A flamethrower is a mechanical incendiary device designed to project a long, controllable stream of fire. When was it first used? The flamethrower was first deployed by the Greeks in the first century CE, and flamethrowers saw use in modern times during World War I and more widely in World War II. So we're talking way back in the first century, the Greeks were using it to burn other ships and stuff like that. Man, (laughs) all right. Most military flamethrowers use flammable liquids thickened 
into a consistency similar to napalm, but commercial flamethrowers generally use high-pressure propane and gasoline. Such mobile liquids and gases are safer in peacetime applications because their flames dissipate faster and often are easier to, to extinguish when necessary because they are volatile and their liquid residues soak into porous media such as dry soil. In contrast, a military flamethrower's viscous or gelled fuel sticks to the surfaces of its targets and is harder to dissipate with water. So it easily reignites after the flame has been extinguished. It also spreads less than mobile fluids so that it permits a more manageable targeted burn. Talk about the civilian, one of the civilian uh, things that I'm familiar with is sometimes you will see road crews burning off old uh, paint on the highways, you know, like uh, no U-turn or, you know, yeah. uh, white lines True. in the center. They'll use a type of flamethrower to burn off yeah. these the paint and everything. And that's usually using the propane. Yeah, yeah. But still, yeah. it's classified as a civilian flamethrower. Yeah. So next time you're driving down the road and you see these guys on the side with these, you know, yeah. flamethrowers burning off, sure. you're going to know. We, yeah. we taught you what it was. Yeah. <laughs> From the military point of view, when flamethrower fuel burns in a confined space such as a tunnel or dugout, its effects go beyond the threat of burning. It quickly consumes the enclosed oxygen and pollutes the air within so that smoke inhalation and asphyxiation may be as, as effective a weapon as the actual flames. Again, me and Russ are not you know, saying that it shouldn't be used or it should be used. We're not in for this. We are just trying to tell you. This is what the application is. Yes. Because a lot of people are say, that's a terrible way to die. And we'll be the first people to say, what a horrible way to die. Exactly. You know, at no point. We talked about uh, the Satan tank in our steward episode of how they would pull up into the caves where the Japanese were and they would shoot the flames in. Yeah. But we were also talking about, you know, like the Churchill and stuff like that. Apart from the military applications, flamethrowers have peacetime applications where there's a need for controlled burning, such as in sugarcane harvesting and other land management tasks. Various forms are designed for an operator to carry while others are mounted on vehicles. Now, I've seen these used in, you know, sugarcane fields and stuff like that. And there's some pretty good video on uh, YouTube if you want to look at, like, flamethrowers and uh, sugarcanes and stuff like that. The man portable flamethrower con consists of two elements, uh, the backpack and the gun. Uh, the backpack element usually consists of two or three cylinders uh, in a two-cylinder system. One cylinder holds compressed inert propellant gas, usually nitrogen, and the other uh, holds the flammable liquid, typically petrol with some form of fuel thickener added to it. A uh, three-cylinder system often has two outer cylinders of flammable liquid and a central uh, cylinder of uh, propellant gas to maintain the balance of the soldier carrying it. You know, they do wait, waited out the weight on everything so the guy can have a little bit easier yeah. time carrying it. The gas propels the liquid fuel out of the cylinder through a flexible pipe and then into the gun element of the flamethrower system. The gun consists of a small reservoir, a spring-loaded valve, and an ignition system. Depressing the trigger opens the valve, allowing pressurized flammable liquid to flow 
and pass over the igniter and out of the gun nozzle. The igniter can be one of several ignition systems. A simple type is an electric heated wire coil. Another uses a small, small pilot flame fueled with pressurized gas from the system. The flamethrower is a potent weapon with great psychological impact, inflicting a particularly horrific death. Flamethrowers pose many risks to the operator. The first disadvantage was the weapon's weight and length, which impairs the soldier's mobility. No, no doubt. The weapon is limited to only a few seconds of burn time since it uses fuel very quickly, requiring the operator to be precise and conservative. Yeah, the weapon was very visible on the battlefield, which caused operators to become immediately singled out as prominent targets, and especially for snipers. If you're a sniper, or, or any soldier on the field, and you see that guy, you know, carrying that big old gas yeah. tanks on your back, and you're yeah. sitting there, you know, smoking, you don't want to die that way. And you you, don't you are to, a target. Yeah. You, congratulations. Mm-hmm. You stick out more than any other soldier on the field. Flamethrower operators were rarely taken prisoner, especially when their target survived and attacked by the weapon. Captured flamethrower users were in some cases summarily executed. If they do jump on you and they capture you and, you know, you fired a couple blasts at the guys, they they might take the rest of your squad, but you're you're not going home. No, They're going to no. shoot you right yeah, there. Yeah, you're done. And you also have to figure that the flamethrower's effective range is pretty short. So vehicle flamethrowers also have the same problem, you know, like the Ram Badger, which was used in the Holland area against German troops. The Ram was used in combat. It just was its variance. And uh, we've talked this Badger and the Churchill Crocodile. They were, they were number one targets. Sure. If you had four tanks coming up and one of them had a flamethrower, they were, they were shooting at the flamethrower. Yeah. You know, nobody wants nobody wants to die that way. Just a horrific death, like yeah, we talked about. Absolutely. I think one of the stories that we talked about in the Churchill tank episode, you guys, if you haven't heard that one, go back and listen to it. Uh, we talked about the crocodile. Even the uh, the UK troops inside would fire, you know, some basically fuel or napalm into the hole or into the bunker and get on a loudspeaker and say, we're going to light you up. It's time to surrender. You know, they would give, even they knew it was a horrible weapon. Yeah. And they would, you know, give up a, you know, spray blast. And they're like, guys inside are covered in oil. And they knew what was going to happen next. Mm -hmm, They're like, please give up. But again, when these crews were caught, they're done. They're done. They're going to execute them and, and probably... It's not going to be a quick and painless death. You can make your own judgments on should be flamethrowers be used as a weapon in war. Uh, my personal thing, no, it's up there with gas and biological yes, weapons. I agree. It's just a terrible weapon. But you know, in war, and if if I was looking like a bunker or a cave that was full yeah. in there, and they're and like tunnels. I mean, and, wow. In the tunnels, yeah. if they're like, hey, you're going to have to. Go in there. Yeah. One if, you're, if your only way to go in there and take those enemy out in those tunnels was to physically go into the tunnels yourself or use a flamethrower, you know, you're probably I, gonna. I hate to say it, I'd know. be the first person to say, uh, uh-uh, uh, yeah, bring the bring up the flamethrower. Yeah. What a great episode it was. 
you know, pretty informative. I learned a lot about flamethrowers. If you want to learn more about the uh, flamethrower uh, usage or you want to go see it, <laughs> believe it or not, there's, what is the name of that place, the museum up there in Virginia? Yes, it's in Danville, Virginia. The name of the museum is the American Armored Foundation Incorporated uh, Tank and Ordnance War Memorial Museum. And that's in Virginia. In Virginia, Southern Virginia. So we're telling you, if you're making plans for summer vacations or something like that, they have a flamethrower day where they bring out their flamethrowers and you can do video and, and, you know, watch it. Yeah. You want to be an Instagram model or you want to make make yourself Facebook famous, Yeah, get out there and watch Flamethrower Day. Exactly, exactly. You get some video of them using the actual I believe they've got two different days this next summer in June and September that they will be shooting their flamethrowers off. Yeah, and we have not been up to, what's the name of this museum again? It's the Tank and Ordnance War Memorial Museum. Or the American Armored Foundation. So you guys need to look that up. And, and it's maybe definitely on our two visit. Our bucket list. It is. Um, I know that they're opening up a, a new tank museum in Wyoming. And I know you're busy with work. But I'm trying to get Cowboy, you know, Kurt, to uh, grab his wife and kids to come down and hold the camera while, while I walk go. around and do some video. Yeah. So I'm hoping to do that during Memorial Day. So we'll we have that to look forward to. Yeah, and uh, maybe I should give a shout out to Amy, Kurt's wife. Like Amy, please, <laughs> please <laughs> come hold the camera for oh, me. Oh wow! Like I said, uh, we have to do our Patreon shout outs definitely, and we want to make sure to you know give those guys a shout out. Who do we got this month? Yeah, we've got Andy Crow. He's still with us, and Bjorn Ben. Oh, we have also Christy McCarty, mad love to her, and uh, Kevin Shin. Still got Kyler Montgomery, Mark Drake, and ODS Thero. The guy who watches the stream. I stream on uh, my gaming channel, which is uh, the Rogue Gaming Channel, and you can find some of us if you scroll uh, down uh, Two Tankers and a Cat Facebook, you'll find a link to that. But Rick, he always comes on and gives me he, his new word for me for playing the game is scrub puppet. <laughs> He's like, hey, scrub puppet. And I'm like, shut oh, up. Man. Quit making fun of the fat kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, what a great wow. episode. And like I said, if anybody has any questions or comments, um, just how can they send it to us? Oh, yeah. They can always uh, get a hold of us through our email account at uh, two tankers and cat at gmail.com or as always you can always find us on facebook just search for the two tankers and a cat podcast and it should show up there excellent all right well this is charlie and this is russell as always happy tanking and have a great week <laughs> <laughs>